Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today's word comes from, again, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12. So if you turn to your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. That would be great. If you haven't got a Bible, the words are on the screen. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There are two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, and if all this had been too little... I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but but by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt. The son born to you will die. Powerful stuff from the Old Testament. I have called the title of today's word, Can You Keep a Secret? Can You Keep a Secret? Now what do we think about secrets? What do we make of secrets? Working in an office organisation for many years, the, the, the office gossip is horrendous. People come into you saying, oh, have you heard the gossip? Have you heard about so and so? Can I tell you a secret? Well, you can, but you're obviously not very good at keeping secrets. I shouldn't be telling you this. Well, perhaps you shouldn't. It's prevalent in our playgrounds and our schools, isn't it? Juicy gossip. Everyone wants to know what gossip there is. But be careful. Proverbs 11.13. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. So when someone comes to you and says, can you keep a secret? Be that trustworthy man. But we also carry other kind of secrets, don't we? That are things that have happened in our lives. 
Now, perhaps I shouldn't be saying this, but when I was about 13, I was with some friends. We were having a firework party at 13, and uh, we were letting off fireworks and bangers in their garden. And I lit a firework, and it flew over a couple of gardens, and we heard some yelling, so we legged it. I ran home. My parents said, good evening. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I didn't want to tell them. But a couple of days later, there was a knock at the door. A policeman said, hello, Mr. Cassidy. Is your son Stephen here? He's been involved in a firearms incident. So he thought I was meant to have got a gang or something. What happened was the firework landed in the garden. The gentleman in that garden bounded over the hedges, knocked on the door of my friend's house. His elder brother came out, smacked him, knocked him out. There was a fight. Police were called. The secret was out. I couldn't keep it in. Couldn't keep it in. I had to go to the police station. And like the firework, I was let off. I remember passing my driving test at work. I was only 17, 18. Very early days, just passed my test. I borrowed a company car from a gentleman at work. I returned it with a very small dent in the boot. I know, those fence panels move so fast. They really do. Again, I was just filled with guilt. I was like, do I tell him? Brand new company car. Forgive me, Lord, but I just couldn't have the courage. Didn't have the courage. I handed the keys back. All right. Yeah, very good. Thanks for the car. A couple of days later, he came up and said, Steve, come with me. So I walked. I knew what was going to happen. We just faced the car. He looked at the boot. Shook his head. Secret was out. I didn't face up to it. I should have been honest. I should have had the courage to do it, but I didn't. But thank God he was quite a grace gracious man but you know we've just read here haven't we in verse 9 10 and 12 that king david had a secret or two didn't he in verse 9 why did you despise the word of the lord by doing what was evil in his eyes you struck down uriah the hittite with the sword and took his wife and in verse 12 you did it in secret but i will do this thing in broad daylight You know, I do feel for King David here. All his sin laid bare before us. I've just told you a couple of stories that aren't as bad as that, but believe me, my my sin could fill this book twice over. So thank God for his grace. But what has happened to King David here? Who was here four weeks ago when I last preached on Strictly Come Dancing? Do you remember that? If he wasn't here, listen to it online. It's a great sermon. Download it. Listen to it. Do you remember what happened? King David was rejoicing, wasn't he, in the kingdom of God. He was dancing before the Lord, wasn't he? He was full of the Holy Spirit. Here comes the ark. I'm so full of God. Gee, we love you. We love you. He's full of God. And suddenly we're just reading here. He's been disciplined for sin. So what happened between there and here? What happened? He's overjoyed with God. And now he's been caught out. Been reprimanded. So one of the first points I want to make of this message is be on your guard. Be on your guard. What happened was, in the previous chapter 11, David fallen for someone else's wife. He coveted her. He seduced her. He slept with her. She became pregnant. And then he murdered her husband. So I do urge you to read chapter 11 in your own time, uh, following today, 
and read again chapter 12 and get the full picture of the story and what you heard today. So from the moment of the adultery, when he did this, to the time Nathan brought it to his attention, was about one year. So David was taking this around for one year, for one whole year. So remember the rejoicing, hallelujah, I'm in God's presence, nothing can touch me. So he thought, nothing can harm me. Perhaps after all the military victories, the great war campaigns, the adoration, the ark coming back, people rejoicing. Perhaps he got a little proud. Perhaps he thought it was all about him, subtly, you know, not immediately, but it sort of became about him. Perhaps he got a bit too pride. Proverbs 16.5 says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will go unpunished. Well, David was certainly punished, wasn't he? Who's proud? I'm not proud. Are you sure about that? Who's committed a sin? Oh, I've never committed a sin. Oh, maybe you've got a bit of a problem with pride. <laughs> Proverbs 16.18, pride becomes before destruction. So proud people do not accept their weaknesses, do not see the stumbling blocks coming up to them. Ironically, proud people do not see themselves as proud. Every single person, I am pretty sure, will have to or has done faced up to the issues of pride. Not me. See what I'm saying? <laughs> it's hard for us Christians. It's not easy. We're enjoying his presence. We're worshipping like last yesterday and this morning. Praying in tongues. Oh, the presence of God is intoxicating. It's wonderful. But then we can experience a downturn after that. An emptiness. We need to be careful. We need to respond to God again in our quiet place. In our quiet time. Acknowledge again who he is. We need to self-humble ourselves. Don't pray for humble. Lord, make me humble. That wasn't a prayer. Because he'll take everything away. <laughs> Self-humble yourselves before God. Then he'll exalt you. It can lead to pride. Perhaps David wasn't being self-controlled and stay alert. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and, and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He did that with David, didn't he? David wasn't on his guard. He tempted David with a beautiful woman. He wanted it. He fell into the trap. He wasn't on his guard. Women, temptation for men. It's a few nods. <laughs> Subtle nods. It's a difficult area for men. I've, over the years, I've, I've needed the Holy Spirit so much in this particular area. I'm, I'm being honest. But you know what? If you want to get serious with God, you've got to get serious with your prayers. You've got to get serious with these issues. It's not just enough. Oh, you know, you've got to get serious. You've got to get on your knees. You've got to be crying to God, God, I do not want this sin anymore. You've got to get serious with God. Get serious with temptation that is in your lives. Ephesians 6.11, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He dresses up with these women. He dresses up with handsome men if you're a woman. You know, he dresses up all the time, doesn't he? 
These are the schemes of the devil. He's trying to make you fall, just like David. Be strong in the Lord. As well as pride. Perhaps there's a that empty moment after time with God in, in the high places. It's a kind of the fix that we need to fill the gap in our lives. You know, it's, it's like it's the saying, after the Lord may show. It's the, the what next. The party's over, what next? Everyone has that in their lives. You know, sports stars, film stars, other celebrities, they aspire for a certain greatness, a certain level in their discipline. And when they reach it, the accolades follow, then there's a gap. Then the what next? Isn't there? The what next? I know that the 2020, 2012 Olympics in London, there were organisations set up to help the athletes after the Olympics for the inevitable depression that followed. For years of training, after their, their success or failure, I mean, out of 100, only one wins the gold medal. Are the others failures? Of course not. But after years of training, suddenly there's a, a stop. What next? The next Olympics? You know, if you're a footballer, you win the county cup. Then you win the national cup. Then there's a, the international cup. Then the world cup. What's next? The solar system cup? The intergalactic cup? Where does it end? We always need something. There's always that aspire. This is why film stars, now, if it, it's difficult, they turn to alcohol and drugs. They're trying to aspire to that high all the time. It's not attainable by worldly means. It's not attainable. The World Cup has already started. I've heard stories of bored footballers between the matches. Bored footballers waiting around. The rich and famous have so much material wealth. You can have the whole kingdom, but without the love of Jesus, nothing. I've got a little magazine here. There's a couple downstairs. It's about Christian footballers, present and current. Most of them are playing in the World Cup. And there's just an extract here from one ex-premiership footballer who's now a pastor in Canada. He says, football was my God as a youngster. All I wanted to do was follow my dad and play football. But it ultimately didn't satisfy. I was empty. If I played well, I was up. If I didn't, I was down. This is why you get players suffering. They earn big money and everything seems great, but they are depressed and they don't know why. I realize that Jesus is around us all the time. He is here with us now. And it's that reality of knowing Christ that really came home to me. So perhaps after all these great victories, the celebrations, perhaps David did experience an emotional emptiness afterwards. But we know by Lord's incredible grace, it's Jesus who fills that emptiness. Oh, praise God for Jesus. I was there when I fell out of love with football, which was my God. There was a massive emptiness. Everything that I thought was just empty. I was chasing the dream, chasing everything. It didn't fulfill. And by his infinite grace, Jesus came into my life. And it changed my life forever. I've got an example of a drawing here. Those who know, I work in church restoration work and of churches and cathedrals. And this is one of my drawings of Henry VII's Chapel in Westminster Abbey. So over 20 years now, I was on this job. And um, 
before I go on about this drawing, there's a secret on this drawing. It's been recorded. Don't tell us right. In one of these little areas, these are all little badges for the names of the Bible characters. And on one of the last ones, there's no name. And it was blank. So I put the words S-T-E-V-E. Now I know the Bible, I'm like, Stephen, Evax, obviously, you know. Clearly. Now don't tell anyone, it's a secret, alright? This is Her Majesty the Queen's Church. If she's listening, sorry, Mum. But this drawing, it took three and a half weeks to draw. I measured every single stone over a period of four years. I was on this job. And in my industry, in a way, this sort of build would be the pinnacle of one's career. Working in Westminster Abbey, what else is there? What else is there? It was like the, the ultimate in church restoration, the Queen's Church. But a few years ago, I came to a point, I was really in a rut with work. I was bored with work. I was saying, Lord, I'm bored with work. I don't want to measure stone anymore. don't want to do any more survey. I'm bored. I just want to work for you, Jesus. I just want to work for you. And he said to me, quite clearly, he said, work for me in your work. And I thought, okay, I don't really get that, but I'll try. And the next day, or the, the next job, I had a site visit in a church in Great Yarmouth. And I was just buying some tools from the market right outside the church. And the guy was trying to fiddle my VAT receipt. He said, oh, we'll round it up to a tenner. You can get the VAT back. And I said straight away, I said, whoa, no, 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 don't do that. Make it 576, whatever it is. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm robbing God. I'm stealing from God. And I remember actually doing this when I was about 16. I had no hesitation in doing it then. Give me God. But then I walked away thinking, and then suddenly I remember what God said to me. I said, right, I got it, God. Wherever I am, I'm working for you. Whether it's in the street, whether it's at work, whether it's in the marketplace buying some stuff, I'm working for you. I'm an example, God, of you. So he got a taste of heaven there. So I'm praying for that market trader. So I went back on the site and the scaffolders were all there. Big men, you know, scaffolders. And one just got off the phone to his girlfriend. I must have had an argument. And I said, morning. I thought, okay. But God put something in my spirit for him. And I thought, whoosh. What is it? Half hour later, I got a shout. Steve, come up. Quick, there's been an accident on top of the scaffold. So I rushed up the scaffold onto the roof. The scaffolder was laying down on the roof. He'd fallen from the scaffold. Onto the roof, he's in pain. Cracked ribs, I think it was. But I ended up ministering to him for two hours while the fire brigade was trying to get this super rescue thing going on. Ministering for two hours. I was praying for him. And his pain was going down. And I was giving him words. I was just incredible. I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is what it's all about. This is what God meant. It's incredible. Days later, the, the, the manager of the scaffold company was ringing up. Pass on our thanks to the guy who was praying for my son. Because it helped. He was in peace. He didn't feel anything. I thought, wow, God, you really do work. You really do work. And since that day, it's been amazing what God's doing in people's lives. You work for him. It's not about measuring stone anymore. Well, it is. Thank God for the job. And he's given me a new enthusiasm for the work as well.
and, and this way, I want to share one more testimony. This week just gone, I was in a job in Bury St. Edmunds. And a little lady was serving in the church while I was measuring some stones. And God gave me compassion for her so much. She was late in her 80s, really frail lady. And I said, I'm going to pray for her before she leaves. And as she was leaving, about an hour and a half later, I caught up with her before she left out the door. I says, it's good talking to you, but it's more than this. I'm here to pray for you, to show God's love for you. So I started to pray for her. She goes, oh, that's nice. And uh, so I prayed for her. And then suddenly tears were falling down my face. I was crying. But these weren't my tears. I felt God's tears for her. These are God's tears for her. And she goes, I've been suffering. She had sciatica, arthritis, all these kind of conditions. He says, God's seen your heart. He's seen your servant heart these last 20 years in this building. He's seen your faithfulness. He's seen your loyal. And you are suffering. But he's got a room for you ready. And I don't know why I said that. And she cried again. But I said, before I go, I believe God's going to do something for you right now. Just to show you he's real. He's doing not just words. So I prayed for her. And she goes, well, I really must go. She started to walk away. And she said, oh, it feels much better. She said, oh, it feels much better. And then she just sped off. She was healed. God healed her. This is the Father in heaven. He pours his love out on people. If I didn't have that moment with God saying, I want to work for you, work for me in your job, that's where it brought us to. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Hallelujah. We need to listen to the voice of God, don't we? I listened to the voice of God there to talk to that lady and she was richly blessed. In this story, there were two people listening to the voice of God. There was Nathan, appointed by God to confront the sin of the time, even the sin of a king. Can you imagine Nathan's reaction? God told Nathan, Nathan, I want you to go to King David and tell him he's doing all this. What? Are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? I can't tell him that. Lord. I want you to do it. He had, must have had so much courage, mustn't he? Oh, he was praying and fasting for days before he had to go there. I would have been. <sighs> he could have paid for his life there, couldn't he? In those days. He could have paid for his life. But God helped Nathan. He gave him an image, didn't he, of a story of a rich man and a poor man to help reveal the secret of David's heart and sin at this time. In verse 7, when David reacts in saying that the man who did this to the poor man deserves to die. Then suddenly the veil was lifted. Nathan's response was, you are that man. So David knew also that this was the voice of God speaking. David discerned that this was the voice of God. We need to discern what is the voice of God. There's a story of a preacher. He was drowning in a lake. A boat came up to rescue him. He goes, no, my God will save me. And then a police lifeboat came around the other side. Quick, come in. No, my God will save me. But the preacher drowned. And in heaven, he asked the Lord, why didn't you save me? Well, I sent you two boats. 
We need to discern the voice of God, who is from God, and what is from God. Like the preacher, he sent the boats to save him. But he didn't discern it was from God. It's not just words all the time, it's things, it's people, it's actions. I remember when I was in Colombia, a few years ago now, I got up in the middle of the night, I was sweating, and I knew that I had to give everything to God. I had to give it all before God. I had to give it all. And I was praying for an hour in the middle of the night. The whole house was quiet. Lily was quiet. It was peaceful. And I was praying, I was sweating, I was crying before God. Say, Lord, I'll give it all to you. Use me, Lord. And a few days later, we was in another city. And we had been prophesying over and people were praying for us. And a pastor from a church was praying over me. And he said, I've seen your tears. I will use you. And I looked at him and thought, no, you haven't. That's impossible. Who told him? I don't. But it's God, wasn't it? God using this prophet like he used Nathan to bring the news. I knew it was God. And he continued to prophesy. And I'll tell you those things when they come to pass. <laughs> but well, here we are. This is one. I mean, he says, you'll be preaching. Oh, yeah, right. And here we are. Praise the Lord. If we knew what he, what he had in store for us, I don't think we'd, we'd run away to have a direction, wouldn't we? So it's good to keep calm about the prophecies that you receive. Yeah. So in, but also in this way, Nathan didn't bring good news to David, did he? He brought some bad news to David. What he's going to do for the sins that he committed. He brought bad news. In verse 11, I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives. In verse 14, but because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. All these came to pass later on in the book. You will read. So we are used to prophecies being good, aren't we? And prosperous, exalting. But sometimes prophecies are warnings. Advices change. Should I say this? Yes, okay. I remember Pastor Phil a couple of years ago. He was praying. We were praying downstairs in the old room. There's only about 15, 12 of us. And Phil prophesied that the Lord was saying, There's someone here playing the lottery. Stop it. Don't play the lottery. Trust in me. And I, I, I wasn't. Addict, I, I just put the odd quid on in the hope that you do. How many people say, oh, my life would be better if six numbers came up? <laughs> I hear that so many times. Do you a good weekend? I'll be better of the lottery. Well, <laughs> wow, man. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know Jesus. I hear it so many times. It's, but it's a, that is actually a good opportunity to, to show your witness that our lives aren't you know, hoping for six numbers to roll in. But I only put the odd pound on. But since that prophecy, I stopped. So I thought it was from me. So praise God for using you there, Pastor Phil. (laughs) You know, they're warnings, aren't they? And also with my business, I had a website and all this kind of stuff. But God says, stop all that website and stuff. Just trust me, I'll bring the work. Immediately I stopped it all. And I've never been busier. You know, it's trusting God, isn't it? I'm sorry those who are into 
website designs, but you might be out of business <laughs> for Christian business. Those <laughs> uh, who do marketing, God's the, uh, the overall marketeer, I think. Now, he'll use you, of course, of course he'll use you. But there are consequences of sin. There's consequences of David's sin, wasn't there? But we know now, in this brand new covenant with Jesus Christ, that God will not punish us for our sins, because he's done it for us. David knew that sleeping with someone else's wife, the adultery and the murder, he knew what he'd done. He knew what he'd done. He tried to cover it up, didn't he? Lies lead to more lies. The chance to apologize gets bigger and bigger, gets harder and harder. Children take note. David paid for his sin. There was a consequence for that sin. Yes, God forgave him. It says here, yes, he'll forgive you. But the punishment was carried out. The son born to him died. Now, I've been a Christian 10 years now. Praise the Lord. Been saved 10 years, thanks to Jesus. But I still have consequences of all my past. You know, I'm a divorced man and that has consequences. I still have to work around that. That lives with me. If you drive down the motorway 80 miles an hour, you get a speeding ticket and fine. That's consequences of the sin of speeding. Imagine the consequences of lust, adultery, robbery. Imagine the what happens, consequences of not putting God first. This is a difficult one. If we try to do things in us, our own strength, we will feel burdened, stressed and tired. But if we are feeling stressed and tired, we know that we can put our trust in Jesus and he will help us in those moments. Until we really present this daily, there will be consequences if we don't put God first. We will still feel tired, frustrated and stressed with neighbours and colleagues. But this is pressing daily to God. Now David was a man of God. He still was a man of God. 1 Kings 15.5 For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. Just that little episode, well, big episode. But in everything else, he was a loyal man of God. I'm forgiven for my rebellion against God all my previous life. I'm forgiven my sin, my lies, my adultery. And even our secret sin, even our secret sin, God knows all our secret sin. He knew David's, he sent Nathan to tell him, I've seen it David, I've seen it, he's seen ours, he's seen mine. But Lord, how can I come to you God? I'm filthy Lord, I will keep pulling you out. But Lord, I keep going back. I will keep pulling you out. You will forgive me of that, Lord? Of course I'll forgive you of that. I love you, my son, my daughter. Our Father in heaven loves us so much. He loves us so much. He does not hold your sin against you. What? 
But Lord, I keep making the same mistake. I keep falling. Yes, I know. But I'm going to keep lifting. What, again? Yes, again and again. I just want to finish with this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone's, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. This is a new me. You should see me before. <laughs> People over here thought I was cool. People over there who now think I'm here think I'm weird. But God loves me here. He loved me there. But he's pulled me from here to there. Cleans me from my sin. I'm a new creation. Come on, Lord. Hallelujah. All this is from God. All this is from God. We continue. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. It's not what we've done. It's what he's done. This is the new covenant. It's not about what we do. Lord, I'm not good enough for heaven. It's not what I, I can't do this. Well, it's not about what you're doing. I've done it for you. Your sins have been paid for, forgotten. Come to me. Declare Jesus is your Lord. And you will live forever. Reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. That's great news, isn't it? Even our secret sin, God's forgiven. It's amazing. It does not mean that we stack up loads of sin. We know that God's forgiven all that. And we carry on doing it. It's not what it's about. Because once you get grace, once you get what God has done for you, and he's lifted you up out of the pit and forgiven you all your sin, you don't want to go back. You don't want to carry on doing these things. You're desperate to do God's will. You're desperate. There are struggles, of course. You don't just say, Jesus is my Lord, and everything is rosy. Of course not. It's a fight. It's a spiritual fight. But we have the victory. We have the victory and the glory. But to help us, we have the Holy Spirit now. That awakens inside of us. The Holy Spirit that prompted me to speak to that little old lady and bless her in Jesus' name. For her to be healed, to show that God loves her so much. To minister to the scaffolder who fell ill, fell on the scaffold. It was God, Holy Spirit, that does it. He's reaching out to this lost world. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Be one of those workers. This is our Father in heaven. It's Father's Day. But Father's Day with God is every day. When he's at the centre of your life, breaks chains. Breaks chains. You are made alive in Christ, a new creation. Good news. Therefore, when you're alive in Christ and you're now a creation... Be wary of David. Be self-controlled. Stay alert. Stay alert for the enemy's tactics. Clothe yourselves with the Holy Spirit. First for it, like 
nothing before. When I got up in that night in Colombia, I was thirsting for God. I was desperate for God. You've got to cry out to him. And when that happens, you have the power to stop sin growing in your life. It's in you, the love of God. We need to keep hearing the voice of God as well. When you, have the vo- when you have the Spirit of God, you listen to the voice more. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. How? Read your word. God left us his Bible. Accompanied with the Holy Spirit. I keep saying it, it is powerful. I've seen people healed before my eyes because of the power of work, God's word. Lives, hearts changed. Chains broken. Addiction broke. And do not feel guilty, no longer for your secret sin. Because Jesus paid for it all. It's done. It's wiped clean. So what more can we do on Father's Day than give him the glory he deserves? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye